So as I mentioned to the kids, we are wrapping up our four-week series on sermon badness. Thank you once again for some challenging and engaging topics, and I hope that it has been a worthwhile journey. Certainly, it got me excited for the lectionary again, because at least there's a little bit more predictability there. But our final week is sort of a, a soft one to feel like to go off on, right? Showing grace and mercy to others. This is so often an aspirational goal of all of us. I mean, what would we be if we could do anything but show grace and mercy to others? So let's start digging into how we do it. And I think it might be helpful at first to define the terms for today. And it's an easy shorthand. This is one of those things that I feel like pastors get excited about because it should be something that you can leave with today. Grace is giving people what they don't deserve, and mercy is not giving people what they deserve. Easy way to remember. Grace is giving people what they do not deserve, and mercy is not giving people what they do deserve. Now, you listen to that, that all seems to hinge on this word, deserve. Which, for those of you who are Ted Lasso fans... Deserve reminds me of a word that it's called like, it's a semantic, uh, semantic satiation is the word. You say a word so many times and it goes into your head so many times that somehow after a while it loses its meaning. Deserve. 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 Like at some point it just seems hard to remember what it means. And the word deserve whether we use it here in English or we use it in the New Testament, it almost always refers to our worthiness. They're going to get what they deserve. We say to our children after a particularly bad bullying incident, will you just ignore them because they're going to get what they deserve. Oftentimes this is, we are saying to those folks who we are telling this phrase, too, that the worthiness of some other is contingent and equivalent enough to receive whatever is coming, the consequences often in this case, when we say they're going to get what they deserve, some kind of punishment. Or perhaps we say that they are deserving to receive an award. They are deserving of a gold medal. Carol and all the hospitality committee are deserving of a gold medal and a pat on the back this Sunday because of all the good work that they've done for Sears Sucker Sunday. And I'm seeing a pleasant amount of bonnets out there, so fine work. Now, again, we can say that the actions of this committee, when we look at it objectively, we can say that they have done the work to receive the highest accolades that our church can offer. Now, over time, we start to think about grace and mercy, and it's about deserving. But we can see how it can start to make our concept of worth be directly impacting grace and mercy. You know, we talk about freeloaders all the time, right? Well, this person got something. Clearly, they're freeloading off the system. Well, what are they getting? Why, why do they get these things, right? It's, it's a concept when we say that somebody's a freeloader, 
It's a concept of unworthiness and undeservedness. If we call somebody a freeloader underneath it, what we're saying is what they were given was not up to snuff for what they've done. Now, maybe they are homeless for a reason. Well, you know, why, why should an addict get extra care? I mean, they're the ones who put the needle in their arm in the first place. Freeloaders all. And I think we have a system in our country, and certainly if we get into the text here a little bit, you'll see, I think even before our country, where we have a system where we believe that we are bestowed in grace and mercy. What we're bestowed in grace and mercy is connected to what we earn, our worthiness. Which, funny enough, in the definition I gave you, is literally the opposite So the irony should not be lost on us that when we actually think about grace and mercy and receiving it, and somehow we still connect it to what we earn, that's literally the opposite of the definition that typically goes before us. Grace is giving people what they don't deserve, and mercy is not giving people what they do deserve. But it shows, I think, that so many of us end up living our lives believing that we have to work for our deservedness. We have to work for our worthiness. We give thanks to God after a Super Bowl victory. I mean, let's dream really big, y'all. After an 0-4 preseason, we are headed to the Super Bowl, my dear friends. Go Jags. And you know what? Trevor Lawrence at the end is going to... Get up there on that podium, and the announcer's going to say, what? What do you have to say there, Trevor? And him in his uh, sort of baritone voice will say, well, I give thanks to God. He is really bad at commercials. I noticed that yesterday. Did y'all notice that? I mean, he is second year, so give him some time to be coached. But I want to give thanks to God for all the gifts he's given me to help this team win the Super Bowl. All right. Thanks, Trev. What happens if we have another season that we've typically had? Is Trevor Lawrence going to say, I give thanks to God for everything he's given me? You know, that one in 15 season. Big ups to the big man. You know, we start to believe that if we've earned well and lived well and gotten the better half of what's going on in the world, well, somehow God's grace and mercy must have been given to us because we've earned it. And then we start to believe that grace and mercy are indexed to the work that we put in. I mean, I've heard this quite a bit this week. But, you know, I worked hard. I did this thing and that thing, so I don't know how I feel about somebody else getting some benefits. That's easy to do. I know that. Especially for those of you who got to, say, for instance, rip up your student loan payments about three years ago. I get that maybe the last week might have been a little tender for you. It's almost like we index then worthiness to the work that we put in. And when we see someone then receive more grace and mercy against our work, we might consider them taking advantage. Well, 
I mean, I did my work. I put in my time. Why does this person get benefits? Why does this person get something special? And Jesus turns this whole thing on its head during the washing of the disciples' feet, something that we reflect on every Monday, Thursday. Jesus performed one of the least desirable jobs amidst people who had already seen the work of Jesus Christ done. I mean, if you were the house foot washer, you really did something wrong. Like, it's like when you broke your great-grandmother's fancy vase. I'm not saying I didn't do that at my house growing up, but you know, it's that kind of level of punishment. You get to be on foot washing duty this week, Adam. Because remember, it was not an asphalt-lined road. There were not indoor plumbing facilities. You did what you did, and you put it in the street. And listen, it's hard to navigate. So sometimes you're walking into things that you don't really want to, and the Nikes that they had were unfortunately very open and very exposed to the elements. So collectively, what did you have? Well, you had a really messy, awful situation on your feet, and it was somebody's job to do the cleaning. But Jesus had the receipts, right? If there was anybody in this world at that time who should not have been doing the foot washing, it was Jesus Christ. This dude's raised people from the dead. He's fed thousands of people. He's done amazing things. He is trying to change the culture writ large. And here he is right before he's going to die, because we know that. And let me go do the worst possible job for you, dear disciples. Oof. Hard thing to witness. And Simon Peter has responses that aren't too dissimilar to us now. Not very unusual even when we witness this kind of grace and mercy given freely. First thing Simon Peter does is he seems incredulous. He's like, Jesus, really? Jesus, really? Dear me, this is not what a man of your station should be doing, dear Jesus. So I'm getting into it. Jesus, you're really going to wash my feet. You are the savior of the world. You've done all sorts of great stuff. You really should be the other way around, Jesus. I am not the one, says Simon Peter, who says I deserve the lavish treatment of unbounded grace and mercy. No, Jesus, Simon Peter says next. No, you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. Why it's so easy when people give you free grace and mercy to just say no? Going through scripture reminds me that although we have progressed in history 2,000 years, we are very similar as people in our hearts. So we might be incredulous, we might deny it, or we might go the opposite direction and want to hoard as much as we can, right? Oh, Jesus, please don't stop with my feet, wash my head, wash my hands. I mean, if we're going to get this grace and mercy, I just am going to eat as much of it up as I can. And in the end, this familiar story we hear every year, 
It ends with the one who had the most to claim for all the rewards of grace and mercy, and he said, go and go do it to others. The only index now, according to this Monday Thursday moment, that grace and mercy can be indexed to is relationship. You know me, says Jesus to the disciples. I did this to you. You will know others, and you'll do it to them. Even underneath it all with Jesus, him saying that he, of anybody else, should deserve that grace and mercy the most. Now listen, this might feel like a long way around the barn to get to the point to talk about how do we actually show this. And I would argue that it's because this idea of grace and mercy being indexed to what we earn is so deeply ingrained into our very hearts. When I was thinking this week about who might be the most graceful and merciful people I know, I thought about kids. Kids put up with a lot of bad parenting and are still beautiful people. They're not as angry as we are until we make them that way. And even when they are the angriest they could possibly be, they still want to snuggle up with mom and dad. Young children are the most gracious and merciful of any group of people I know, and I often think it's because they haven't figured out how to index their lives to the work that they do. Because kids still believe until we change them that they are worthy just by being alive. And so somewhere along our lives, we too now stop to believe that we deserve grace and mercy and we can't give it to others just simply because of who we are, because we haven't earned it. It digs into our hearts and it's hard to let go. Like the very worst weed that you have tried for years to get rid in your garden, but you know you just didn't dig deep enough. So here in this moment, in something so simple, grace and mercy, we have to dig deep. We have to go down layer upon layer upon layer so that we pull out even the smallest root of believing that this grace and mercy we give and receive is somehow contingent on our worthiness. Because if we leave but one tiny root, dear friends, it will grow back again. It will grow back again because the world demands it grow back again and spread seeds of indexing care only if we're good enough for it. So to show grace and mercy to others requires us to re-index worthiness and deservedness to simply being in a relationship with. So now instead of wondering what they've done to earn grace and mercy, we might wonder more about whether they've experienced the warmth of being loved as Jesus loved the disciples. Because Ephesians reminds us that the extent of the relationship of that grace is for every single one of the saints. 
You know that person in church that you happen to overlap your Sundays with and you're just kind of glad that you haven't seen them? You both earn God's grace. You both receive God's grace just simply by nature of being in relationship with the Savior. Our acts of mercy and grace then are recreations of washing one another's feet and all of the good and the ugly that comes with that kind of intimacy because y'all know what your feet look like right now. Am I right? Some of y'all are like, I ain't ever having somebody touch my feet. And you'll do that even on Monday, Thursday. Now you might get an extra scrub or two in so you might think about it. But when we do these acts of grace and mercy, we have to get right into one another's feet. What does that mean for us practically? I think the first thing, because I've watched these conversations go awry far too often, is the very first thing is we need to define the boundaries of grace and mercy based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is how, dear friends, we can differentiate between freeloaders and abusers. Because in far too many of our stories, we have somebody who took our mercy and grace for granted and abused it. That is not the world that Jesus Christ offers. And so the very first thing we need to do is to say at some point, justice has to arbitrate grace and mercy, and ultimately who will receive it. And at some point, if there is abuse there, it is okay to say, I can no longer give this grace and mercy. In fact, it may be the most just thing to only receive that grace and mercy given the circumstances. So defining the boundaries. I think the second thing is within those boundaries, once it feels safe, once we know it is not abuse but is love, it means we pour ourselves out to others. Friends, the question should not be, should we? Because that answer should always be yes. The question should not be, do they deserve? Because it should always be yes. And really, who are we to judge who deserves and who does not deserve? Wretched, broken individuals all. If we deserve it, so do they. And yes, it will mean discomforting work at times because we are touching and washing the parts that connect and carry us through a dirty, dusty, crowded world. But when someone takes those parts of themselves and offer them to us, we would do well to wash them. And perhaps just as important, I think, it's, it's that we allow others to pour themselves out on us, lest we forget that we too have broken, dirty, dusty, crusty, overworn parts of us that have brought us through to this day. We have to, at some point, dear friends, recognize our own finitude, our own imperfection, our own shortcomings. We will burn ourselves out with grace and mercy. And I know some of you who do exactly that. 
You are some of the most loving, grace-filled people. If somebody calls, you'll say yes, but then when somebody asks, can I do something for you, it's, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm fine, thanks. Where are you going to get yourself filled up if all you do is empty yourself out? We can burn ourselves out even in the best and the good and the most holy. It is the reality of being imperfect. But we can replace it like for like should we not find ourselves too much like Peter with Jesus. Well, no, you, you're never going to wash my feet. Or, no, you, you, Jesus, of all people are going to do this? Because I believe, dear friends, that Simon Peter's responses and even our own are still indicative of a different index than simply relationship. So I invite you, if you're one of those folks who has a really hard time taking grace and mercy, to ask yourself in the deepest parts of your hearts, are you still believing that you are not worthy because some standard tells you otherwise? And I want you in that moment to hear the words I'm going to say right now. You are worthy of all the grace and all the mercy and all the love that Jesus Christ himself offered the disciples on Monday, Thursday, and indeed every day he was on this earth. His death, burial, resurrection, and new life is yours no matter who you are. You deserve that grace and love and mercy. And perhaps if you're one of those folks who still struggles after that, just say, you need the fuel so you can give it to somebody else. And we'll work with you afterwards. We have to find, dear friends, in ourselves where our limits are for the sake of our community. It's easy to have a taste and then hoard it all. Instead, we take our fill and we give it to others. We keep ourselves full enough. We don't push away, but we also don't take so much that we lose out on giving some to others. Friends, these simple concepts, grace and mercy, I think the reason why we vote for them is because they're things we aspire to. We want to be graceful and merciful. And how we do that is we start in our own hearts. Are there places in your heart right now that you'd like to have washed by Jesus? Somebody had asked if I would preach a sermon like in the 1900s, but this is getting close, y'all. Do you want to be washed? Do you want to be made clean? You can be. The best news is that story was relevant on Monday, Thursday day, the 1900s and 2022. Thanks be to God that we can love and be loved. We are offered that on Monday, Thursday, and every day. Amen.